from WUWM, Milwaukee's NPR, this is Capital Notes, a podcast about Wisconsin politics and politicians. I'm Marty Michelson. Each week I discuss noteworthy developments with J.R. Ross, editor of WISPolitics.com. Here's our latest conversation. So, J.R., Governor Walker says he opposes President Trump's idea to arm teachers. Instead, he talked last week about calling a special session to pass a comprehensive school safety agenda. So this would mean the Assembly, which has already adjourned for the year, would have to come back into session. What are the chances of that happening? Uh, It looks like they're open to it. Uh, Robin Voss is on vacation right now, but in speaking with Assembly Majority Leader, uh, Jim Steinecke, he expressed an openness to coming back on that. Uh, they are not looking at coming back on other issues right now, but at least are open to come back on this. And in talking to uh, Scott Fitzgerald, the Senate Majority Leader, he suggested that he was um, looking at a package of things that would include largely, you know, one-time use of state aid to uh, pay for things like building improvements. He's not looking at giving, at least right now, at giving. Um, uh, school districts' ability to raise more property taxes, but looking at ways for state money to flow to districts to pay for building projects. That's the start. Now, the thing is, this has to go through a process, right? We have to have the Assembly and Senate get on board. We have to have discussions with the governor. So it could go through a lot of change between now and then. But that's the latest kind of vibe that I got about where they were at in the early part of the discussions. Why is Governor Walker pushing this? Well, a couple of things. One, you know, Gun safety at schools is a, our school safety is a major issue right now in the country. After what happened a couple weeks ago in Florida, um, there are pressures building to do something, and Governor Walker is looking at this as a, you know, what can they do? Um, Democrats, we've seen already on the floor of the Assembly try to pass a bill to expand background checks, which Republicans swapped out instead of doing grants for school safety officers. Uh, Senate Democrats have pushed to allow for an exemption to the property tax caps that schools live under that would allow them to raise more money to pay for you know, safety improvements. So they've been pushing on this issue, and Republicans are looking for their answer to those, those demands. Ironically, the Wisconsin Democracy Campaign released a report last week that shows the NRA has given more than $4.5 million over the past 20 years to Wisconsin Republicans. The biggest recipient was Governor Walker, who received $3.5 million for his elections in 2010 and 2014, as well as the recall in 2012. Is this something Democrats might capitalize on in this year's governor's race? Sure. I mean, Democrats right now are trying to make the argument that the people receiving donations from the NRA are beholden to the NRA. Um, now, those folks getting that money are pushing back on that assertion, but I'm sure you will see that be part of the discussion this fall about their NRA, NRA's influence and those kinds of things. The issue, though, for Democrats they have to be careful about, from people I talk to, is that if you have a message on guns that is too Madison and Milwaukee-centric, um, too focused on things that won't pass, getting away from things that are quite popular, like background checks, you risk alienating voters in rural Wisconsin who have a different view on guns, or generally speaking. I mean, you can't, like, say everybody, but generally speaking, it's a different issue in rural Wisconsin than it is in, like, Milwaukee. So how do you tailor that message appropriately as Democrats? You don't go too far and then lose those voters. For Democrats, how do you stick to, I mean, the principles of the party largely stands for gun rights in a lot of ways. How do you meet those standards of your party, but also be cognizant of the demands out there in the public for something being done to address some of these issues. 
On another topic, Governor Walker signed into law a $200 million measure designed to stabilize the health insurance market under the Affordable Care Act in Wisconsin. At the same time Walker signed this bill, fellow Republican Attorney General Brad Schimmel joined a federal lawsuit to block the ACA arguing that the federal mandate is unconstitutional. So does this pit the two most powerful Republicans in Wisconsin against each other? Not really. I mean, the Republican orthodoxy is still that they want to see the Affordable Care Act go away. They oppose, you know, the Obamacare. What Governor Walker tried to argue is that what he is pushing with this idea of this reinsurance program is a way to work within the parameters of the Affordable Care Act and provide relief to the uh, premiums that have been going up for around, I think, 216,000 some Wisconsinites purchasing their care through the federal marketplace. So they're, you know, trying to do it both work both sides of the issue. One, Republicans want it to go away. Two, Walker wants to work within the parameters of what's there to keep, you know, provide some relief because they see health care as a major issue for some voters that they need come November. You know, I mean, Governor Walker's. Uh, very cognizant of what's happening out there politically and where people are at. And this checklist of things he's had since State of State Address in January, a lot of it's been about making sure these voters know he's concerned about their concerns. And on the Foxconn front, the Legislative Fiscal Bureau says funding for road projects in Wisconsin could be reduced by $90 million in the next year in order to pay for road work related to the massive Foxconn plant in Racine County. Uh, Democrats blasted uh, Governor Walker, saying he is prioritizing Foxconn over repairing roads elsewhere in the state. Lawmakers on both sides of the aisle have been complaining that the roads are a mess across Wisconsin. So is this an issue that Democrats will continue to hammer in the governor's race? Yeah, they're trying to make Foxconn look like a drain on other state resources that would otherwise go to other Wisconsin communities, other Wisconsin roads, uh, Wisconsin taxpayers, schools on down the line. What Governor Walker has been trying to argue, and those who back the project, is that this is such a game changer that it's going to have a ripple effect across the state. No, we won't necessarily see that ripple effect, if there's going to be one, come November. So Governor Walker and those who support the project have to make a credible argument of what it's doing that could be positive for Wisconsin. In the meantime, you're going to see Democrats pick at everything they can to say, look, money is going to Foxconn rather than going to A, then B, then C, and so on, and make the argument of this is draining resources that should be going to other places, and with this memo, other roads, but it's going to Foxconn instead. Also last week, the State Elections Commission chose Megan Wolf as its new interim administrator. She'll replace Mike Haas, who announced his resignation after the state Senate refused to confirm him. Republican senators said they didn't trust Haas because he worked for the Government Accountability Board, which investigated whether Governor Walker illegally coordinated with outside groups during the 2012 recall. The state Senate would have to confirm Megan Wolf as the new administrator of the Elections Commission, but it turns out she also worked for the GAP, uh, GAB. So what are the chances of the state Senate confirming Megan Wolf? We won't know until we you know, have a confirmation hearing and the Senate gets a chance to kind of look at her more closely, but Scott Fitzgerald, the majority leader, right after the vote to approve her as the interim administrator, uh, said positive things about her. He looks forward to working with her. The statement, however, did not mention whether he planned to have a confirmation vote. So 
We'll see how that plays out. I mean, one thing Republicans could do, and I stress could, is they could use 2018 as a, okay, a tryout so for her. You know, I mean, it's entirely possible they'll come in okay, yeah, before they adjourn March 20th, or they plan to adjourn March 20th, have a confirmation hearing, and do a vote. If they don't, maybe they use the April election, the August primary, the November general election as a way to see how the agency functions with her at the helm, and then make a decision from there. But we don't have a clear idea yet where they're at, and they haven't a chance to meet on this appointment yet. And finally, First District Congressional Candidate Kathy Myers launched her first TV ad last week in the race to unseat House Speaker Paul Ryan. Myers is a public school teacher in Janesville and faces ironworker Randy Bryce in the Democratic primary. Myers also last week challenged Bryce to six debates. Is this a sign that the Democratic primary for Paul Ryan's seat is heating up? Well, she's trying to heat it up. I mean, the issue that she has faced is that a lot of national groups and figures have coalesced around Randy Bryce as the Democrats' best bet to take on Paul Ryan. He got a lot of early buzz. You know, uh, Bernie Sanders was here in Wisconsin for him. You're seeing endorsements from labor unions. Meyer's been trying to push back saying, hey, I'm here too, and this is not a coronation for any Bryce, but there is actually a primary here. She struggles, though. She's trailing him uh, significantly in fundraising. Uh, Now, Bryce is also spending a lot of money that he takes in, so we'll see how they use her resources, but she's trailing in fundraising and endorsements in the profile. So it is a little bit of an uphill battle right now, but she's trying to make a case that this is not over, and people should be paying attention to her nice folks on Randy Bryce. Good to talk to you, JR. Anytime. That's WISPolitics.com editor J.R. Ross. You can join us each week for our conversations. And if you haven't done so already, subscribe to Capital Notes on iTunes, NPR One, or wherever you get your podcasts.